So everybody, pull out your crystal balls, your tarot cards, your crystals, your oils, but not your sex oils, your magic oils. Pull out a, I guess a pomegranate, some dirt, some salt, some water. Find a newspaper that has a horoscope. I don't know, what else is magic? Candles. Candles. <sighs> Candles. Yeah, get all that stuff together. We'll wait for you. Don't worry. It's not like you're going to have to use all of it. But you might need it for some of the stuff we're doing. Because today we're going to go into the land of the mystic. Oh, shit. I've got my magic eight ball right here. I mean, that's the most magical item one can have, Paul. What should we ask the magic eight ball? Is there really a thing such as happiness? There's such a thing as... Here we go. Let's see what it says. <laughs> my sources say no. <laughs> That's because that man eight ball's been living with you for too long. Seen some shit. You know, I know sadness is my aesthetic, but uh-huh. damn. Yeah. Yeah, it burned a little bit. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, what was it, two years ago? We had a tarot card class with Kathy Bowman. Yeah. Uh which was a very interesting class because we had generative prompts using the tarot deck as well as sort of, um, I guess, interrogating or um, analyzing the cards on a deeper level. Yeah. Which I guess is what the, the tarot is, can be used for. And I mean, it was also supposed to be like a way where we like think about the visual ticket toward. Not that writing isn't a visual art in some ways, but it's like using a different medium to get into a writing space. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work I generated in that class ended up being my chapbook from Atlas, Arcade 17. And originally, like, the majority of the work had, like, corresponding card names, which I then took Mm -hmm. off for much pithier names. I didn't know that that was uh, a lot of your chapbook. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, a chunk of the other one I published, I mean... It shows the names intact because it's like the wheel, sun. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the other one right now because it's been a while. But I mean, that was directly from that class too. But a lot of the flash I was writing around that time 
was either from some of the exercises in that class or from like making my own exercises at home during my writing time and then writing off of that using one of the many decks I have. Hmm. Yeah, I also made a deck the summer after for a friend's wedding. Like I took picture of her and her partner's dogs and turned them and some of their favorite like musicians like Kate Bush. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and turned it into a tarot deck for them. What is you like what first got you interested in tarot or like the arcane? Like when did that begin? It actually began um the year before the class where um I was at Kathy Bowman's for a party after her poetry for babies class. And I'd had a really frustrating semester, and she knew a little bit about it, but it was bad. I was genuinely like thinking about dropping out, and she ended up reading my cards for me and talking to me about like using the summer as a way to just get back into the creative space I need to be in to feel happy. But I ended up buying a few decks that summer and use them to get just back into the headspace of writing again. Like, I don't, I genuinely don't believe that the cards can tell the future. Although if you ask my little sister, I gave her a reading once that was hilariously on point. But that's been like the only time I've ever given a reading where it's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for the most part, it's finding a way to talk about other things by first getting the, I don't know. I'm starting to sound very weird about this. It's just a fun no. thing that you can do to write. Yeah, I, I think that's how I feel about it, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, do you use the cards that much anymore, Paul? I, I left my decks at home in the States uh, just because of, you know, my traveling restraints in terms of luggage. Um, but I did take them out last time I was home over Christmas. Um, you know, I use them as in terms of like writing prompts, like taking three cards from the deck and then going from there. Um, I think that was one of the exercises we did in Kathy's class and that was my first sort of introduction to it at all. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd never had any friends or anything who were into it. Um, it just wasn't anything to do with my, my life. Um, but actually, uh, one of the poems that I wrote that probably wouldn't seem like it is influenced by tarot is the Arby's poem I wrote. Oh. <clears throat> Are you willing to read your poem? Oh, sure. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. So I, I, I pulled up the poem. Uh, and this is the poem that I don't know if you remember a while back, uh, Shay Serrano, Serino tweeted mm. oh yeah uh, 
Go for it. Yeah. Okay, so this is a the poem I wrote in Kathy's class, and it's um, how to successfully run an Arby's franchise post Hurricane Katrina. Uh, and it has an epigraph from the Notorious B.I.G. When I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell. Christina Aguilera might not buy the beef and cheddar, but that was before Katrina and things have changed. There are more questions to ask, like how do you categorize a catastrophe? Most likely not in sales, no matter how deep in Anjou you're standing. And it's really not that funny if you think about it. Ran running a franchise is hard and it doesn't matter how many times you've seen the music video for Genie in a Bottle or how many refills of Pepsi products you've had in your lifetime. There are some things in this world that are harder than hell. So ask yourself, what's the saddest you've ever been in your life? And respond without shame. Chances are you were 19 years old you had a Hoobastank t-shirt. Arby's would consider you a modern day traditionalist, a martyr, a loner, the kind of guy who asks for extra horsey sauce, not once, but twice. And there's something beautiful about that, like the amount of courage that it must take to ask for sauce more than once. And the fact that you didn't just park your geo prism in the parking lot and eat your curly fries in solitude. No, instead, you owned it. You took your sadness inside and sat it down in the booth across from you, talked to it gently, said, if someone could love me like that, like you meant it, like love was somewhere on the menu, like an unexplored map, like a place you used to love, like you've weathered the storm straight out of hell and damn, you're hungry. I haven't read that poem in a long time. <laughs> but like this poem in terms of like the tarot and everything, um, you know, I think I pulled three cards and uh, what was it? Like the emperor, mm -hmm. um, maybe the five of pentacles. Okay. And then there, there was like, uh, uh, what is the is it an ace of cups i'm like blanking here but... what does it look like in your head well it's in reverse it's the cup pouring upside down then yeah you're thinking about the ace of cups yeah and this poem came out of that like i think i chose the notorious big epigraph because of the emperor and uh mm -hmm. you know like kind of dropping truth bombs and that's sort of like the respond without shame and like asking yourself questions so yeah and i can hear like why the five of pentacles like you were using the writer weight right mm-hmm and for those of you who don't have Rider Waite tarot cards, it's like an image of two people. One is on crutches and they're walking past what looks like a church and it's snowing. And like a really traditional reading of it is um, feeling faithless, feeling 
like you're moving past something that might be able to give you some sort of spiritual guidance. Arby's is like the greatest spiritual guidance I know. Arby is the greatest American cathedral to ever be built. I feel like we're in the in the midst of like a an Arby's revival. I've always assumed Arby's is like the saddest place you could ever go to eat fast food. Like, and then I think it used to uh, be definitely, but like now it's like upped its game. And I think part of that has to do with the nihilist Arby's, mm-hmm. and then just things I've seen on Twitter where um, people are like really into Arby's, just, I don't know what it means. I think um, somehow though, Arby's has positioned itself as like better than Burger King or McDonald's. Yeah. It's hard to say what really is better in the long run, but I think their fries are better. Are you a curly fry kind of person? I love curly fries. You can now buy frozen, I think it's Arby's, maybe it's the Hardee's, but those are the same place, right? Or owned by the same people? No, I don't think so. Why have I always thought they were owned by the same people? Carl's Jr., I think, in Hardee's. Oh, okay. My brain must have just, like, mixed all that shit together. But, Mm -hmm. um... It's one of their curly fries you can now buy frozen and just like heat up at home. Mm. They're pretty good, dude. And if you That's eat them with like grilled salmon, you can have high and you have low, and you can have all of human experience at once. Next time I come to Bloomington. I'll grill some salmon in Bix and Joe's backyard and you can yeah. heat up the curly fries for everybody. We can do like a salmon with a Jack Daniels glazed sauce, bourbon sauce, and then just some Arby's curly fries. Yeah. They also like live right near an Arby's. I live closer to it. Oh, that's true. Maybe I've got my bearings wrong. But you both live on Washington. Right? Yeah. I live near a rallies, and I've never been to a rallies. <laughs> Is rallies any good? I have only been once at like three in the morning, so I don't know. I feel like that's a Scott Fenn question. I don't think he's ever been to rallies either. I think I, he has. I'm pretty sure he's sent me pictures. Listeners, if you've been to a rallies, please drop us a message to let us know if it's any good. Yeah. This is important research. Yeah, it really is. So, should I read one of my things? Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, you know, I think I'm going to read something that wasn't in the chat book but is obviously, Mm -hmm. like, it's one I wrote specifically about the death card. And this was originally in Bad City Review Online. Um, Upright death. Make a duplicate of your body, shrink it down, 
touch your tiny hands, consider if this is what it means to be a mother. Go to the store and buy a green felt board, smooth it soft. Pull an insect pin from your desk drawer, stick it neat, swift, through your torso. Notice how your miniature scream sounds like a boiling lobster's. Wait for silence. Surround your head and shoulders with dead butterflies, their dusty, gorgeous wings. Press red and yellow pins through little used shoulders while she flows. Don't be surprised when the blood stains are larger than you expect. Examine yourself using a magnifying glass. Wipe little you clean with your big t-shirt. Clip your fingernails large and small. Try out that magenta hair dye. Buy her a whole new wardrobe. And when you feel bored, buy a glass ca case. Display your duplication in your foyer. Tell your friends it was a present when they ask. Laugh when they call it creepy. Or try to say something deep about perspective and how exciting it can be to see something that feels wrong. Like walking into the woods and seeing a raven using its beak to clean a man's teeth for him. Look at little you and think, this is the person you're meant to be. Throw out little you. Write down the experience. Hide the paper in your underwear drawer. Forget. Find it four months later and crouch over it. Circle the good. Oh, and I wrote that... And it feels like really goth kid to say, but I love the death cards so much in tarot. And I told you, it feels really goth to say. Oh, I've, I've been thinking a lot about goth in the past couple of days. And I've been wondering if, like, the healthcare bill goes through. If, like, mm. there'll be a resurgence in goth culture because death rules again. Anyway, death card in the rider weight is like a skeleton riding a sick white horse while holding a flag. And there are like dead people around, but they're all wearing like sweet clothes. And like, I don't know if you've seen any movie from like ever, I guess. Someone will pull the death card when they see a fortune teller and they're like, oh no. But it's really just a card of change. Like, it's a really good card, I think, for creativity. Not, like, easy creativity like you might get in one of the nicer cards. But it's one where, like, everything's getting overhauled and transformed. Mm -hmm. I love it. I've also been pulling it a lot again, so... I don't know if that's something I, I noticed between both the pieces we read is the use of second person. I think it's because we're kind of emulating how you get talked to when someone gives you a tarot reading. It's one of those things that's like mesmerizing because it's someone being like, you will do this, you will do that. Right. Most of the other ones I wrote aren't second person, but... Yeah, we both caught, like, that tone. Mm-hmm. Think of how messed up it would be if you got a big tarot reading and someone's like, you're going to go to an Arby's and feel really sad for a while. That's what's in store. <laughs> As they slip, like, a $5 gift certificate across the table. Mm-hmm. Not even a gift certificate. It's, like, a coupon. Maybe not even that. It's like an Arby's punch card for milkshakes. Oh. 
we shouldn't talk about fast food anymore. I'll get real sad real fast. How is that different? You know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so um, why don't you... Uh, that made me feel very teacher. I was about to be like, time to do this. But it's true. <laughs> um, so this is the part where you're probably going to start like pausing us. So that you can think and write if you want to do this. But we're going to give you a few generative writing things. And I kind of really like the idea of thinking of everybody in August. Bored because it's August. Trying to think of things to write about other than it's so hot. I smell bad. Or I guess in Peru, I love it. I love it. I'm so happy it's August. So you're going to need a tarot deck. We're doing this, right? We're doing some yeah. generative writing. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to shuffle your deck. And in a very tarot way, you're just going to shuffle the deck until you feel done shuffling it. One might be good. You might be someone who's like, I got shuffled seven times. I don't know. And you're just going to pull a card from the deck. It doesn't matter if it's upright or not. And what you're going to start off doing is you're going to just write down all the things that you notice in the card. So I just pulled Ace of Pentacles, another card I love because it's so weird. So if I was doing this, I'd write down something like, it's a hand holding a giant coin, and I might think of different ways to describe it. And there's also like an open like foliage gates and some mountains in the distance. And I'm writing all of that stuff down. <clears throat> and from there, after about like two to five minutes of just writing stuff down, once again, this is, think of this like cooking. If you know what you're doing, you know when you're ready to move on. But if you have to, you can just follow the recipe straight up, whatever. And then from there, I would try to take those details and try to literally put them into a story or a poem. So especially with something as rich as like Ace of Pentacles, you could talk about what happens when a giant hand appears in the sky. What does it mean? It's like really like a fruitful image in some ways. Unless you're someone listening to this and you're like, I hate imagination. Then good luck to you, sir. I found a, a free tarot card reader online, so I drew a card as well. Oh, what card did you draw? I drew the Hierophant. Hmm. Hmm. I guess, what do you want to do in this space? Should we have John play like music or something? Or should we just have you transition to doing another generative writing thing? Um, I think something nice to that would be also helpful just for everyone listening if they don't actually have tarot decks is like I don't have mine here so I went to this online one and I was able to pull one up obviously I, I, you know I'm not someone who uh, is like a I guess is like obsessed with my deck you know what I mean like a mm -hmm. I don't think I'm obsessed with my deck either. So I, I feel okay doing this with the online one. 
whereas I, I know a couple people who like are very protective of their decks. Yeah, as you know, mm-hmm. I absolutely am not. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it shows like the the different levels that people have uh, like an affinity to this or uh, an ownership of it. Yeah, I mean, Kathy is horrified whenever, she's always telling me like, I need to get a nice box. I need to like let it sleep with me in the bed to get my energies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she also started the classes with like rubbing oils on our wrists, like yeah. setting the, the space up as like, you know, we are in this, uh, I don't want to use the word spiritual, but like. I mean, I think spiritual has become really like religiously loaded but it was like a she wanted to be like a ritual space for us yeah yeah and and i think that that's what's sort of interesting to me about the the tarot and the mystic and astrology in general is you can um take it to whatever level you want to Mm -hmm. you know and Um, it's also one of those things where like you know what I hate when someone's like, oh, you do these things, so you must not believe in science. And mm. it's, I think it's a really hilarious way to behave, to just make that assumption. Like, I get it. There are people who are like, I only solve my illnesses with these pills I bought at Lucky's and these essences. Which, mm-hmm. but there's a way of being a person where it's just so tiring to hear people reduce like the complexity of who you actually are. Like I can do this crap and also know, I mean, listen to how I described it. I know it's crap, but it's also really fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. It's junk food. And well, junk food might be too derivative. Mm-hmm. It's dessert. I know that it's not going to solve everything, but it makes me feel good. It's pie. I love pie. Most people love pie. You know, I kind of think I like cake better than pie. Ooh. Huge disagreement, I know. (laughs) I just think when you eat an actually, like, really, really good piece of cake, it's so good. I think on average, cake is worse than pie, but I think the best slice of cake is better than the best slice of pie. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I can tell. I, I've got nothing to say against this other than my own personal preference is pie over cake. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I'm too tired to be outraged by that. We're just different people. I know. <laughs> You know, just just two friends talking about pie and cake on a Saturday morning. That's it. It was afternoon for me, but yes. <laughs> you say morning, I say afternoon. Potato, potato. Let's call the whole podcast off. <laughs> All right, John, just throw this one away. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it.
No, I actually think for the most part it's going pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. So, do you want... Do you have a... Do you have a thing? A prompt? Yeah. I, I do, kind of. Um, and it relates to the one I, I did for Arby's. Yeah. Um, Why don't you say that too? And we'll just... I really okay. like the idea of us just doing a bunch of generative writing stuff in between conversation. I think it'll make it interesting. The exercise that I was thinking of uh, is a three card exercise. Um, and so taking the first card after you shuffle however many times you want slash feel like it. Um, and so that card is like using that card to, to situate yourself in how you feel in the present. And the card I got for this uh, is the magician, which is interesting because um, I don't feel very magic-like, but because of perhaps this podcast and what we're talking about is the card that I pulled. I pulled um, six of wands, and I don't feel know. remotely triumphant at the moment. <laughs> Well, you're you're talking to me, so perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, yeah. Um, the second card pulled. Um, looking at that as a place of where you perhaps want to go, or what you want. Right. Mm-hmm. And the card that I pulled for that uh, is the sun, which is, you know, two arcane cards for a three card pull is pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. I'm using my Wild Unknown deck, so the most hipstery of decks. And I pulled the High Priestess, and where I want to go is to see a white tiger next to a mystical globe. So I want to go see a Siegfried and Roy show. I saw them when I was like eight years old. Did it change your in life? Vegas. Yeah, I fucking, it was like around the same time as uh, Power Rangers mm -hmm. when the Green Ranger turns into the White Ranger. Yep. So White Tiger Sword. And then I went and saw Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas when I was visiting my grandma. Uh -huh. And then there were white tigers and my uh, Chinese zodiac sign is a tiger. And I was just like, this is meant to be. And I got like this white tiger stuffed animal. And that was like my best friend for like, I don't know, a year. <laughs> oh my God. That's synergy, dude. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize you were a tiger in the Chinese Zodiac. Yep. 1986. I'm a rat. Maybe I shouldn't mention that online. But 
people would probably figure it out anyway. You've said your age like a million times, but I'm a rat. Yeah. It makes sense. (laughs) How so? Uh, I don't know. It just feels right. Okay. So you got the high priestess for your second card, Mm -hmm. correct? Okay. So second card being um, a card of desire slash something you want or are hopeful of for this prompt. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the third card, um, not necessarily being a future card in what would be like a traditional three card poll, but like um, the obstacles to that second card. So that's how we get the conflict in this writing prompt is that's like the card that's going to hinder you. What's your third card? Uh, my third card is the Nine of Pentacles. Mine is the Tower. Oh, shit. Yeah. In the Wild Unknown deck, it's like a beautiful tree that's been struck by lightning and the fire is just starting. As soon as you said that, my head just started playing We Didn't Start the Fire. Good pick. But I think this is a, a productive writing exercise because it's like a it gets you that beginning part of the journey and you already know uh the conflict that that you need to solve yeah Yeah. and i think the thing that we should emphasize with these is that you don't have to know the meanings like you don't have to go out and buy a book and the cards you can just use Mm -hmm. like an online thing And then it's your choice. Like, you can go super literal and try to write something very off-kilter, just using the images. You can try to figure out what, like, emotional meaning these cards are bringing out. So, like, I don't know. I think it's really easy to look at the tower in almost all decks and be like, whoa, something destructive has happened. Or you can get into the meaning and mood and try to write from there. It's just like, there's. it's why it's fun. There are like different levels of ways to explore what your story or poem is. Definitely. I mean, I'd be interested in hearing anyone else's ideas for prompts as well. Yeah, get in touch with us too if you have a really good prompt using this stuff. So Paul, why do you think astrology yes. is so trendy now? I don't feel qualified to answer this question in any means. Um, but I think with, you know, I've seen things on social media again, because we're both involved with our presences online. Um, but the, the Astro Poets... Twitter for sure has made me um, maybe perhaps pay more attention or closely than I ever would have before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do see a lot of uh, poets, especially um, tweeting out or writing monthly tarot art on like blogs 
-hmm. I think there's one for like Vogue and a couple other pretty big websites that I'm blanking on at the moment, but they're, you know, before it just seemed to be like the Onion posting their satirical ones mm -hmm. that I'd see. But now uh, there seems to be a much greater wealth of them. Why that is exactly, um, perhaps it's because of the political climate we live in and <laughs> we need to find answers in other directions, <laughs> which I would, I would say that for myself, but I, I don't know. I was also thinking that like how short, but like how every single word has to have some sort of impact in most horoscopes where I'm not saying it's like very detailed but they still have some sort of impact to make you like feel like hmm that I feel like it's a really good format for poets to use and think about like it's just like form lends itself to the type of writing some poets already do hmm I definitely I definitely get that. And I don't know, you know, I think there's it's like a case-by-case -case scenario. But again, like, you know, we've talked a lot about being in Kathy's class and her creating that that uh, environment for us to, to generate work in using the tarot, you know, as another tool for our, our writing life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm trying to put it together a bunch of things here, but uh, pointing back to the two pieces we read earlier about it being second person, um, is that, you know, creating that territory to write in, um, using the second person, not that you have to, but it creates a sort of more intimate space. There's a there's a certain sort of territory that it explores that it, that I think definitely lends itself to um, poet hands a little bit, perhaps easier or like exploring that that space. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does make sense. Um, and while you were talking, I was also just thinking about how much of a gift it is to have someone like who focused a lot on making sure that we still have those imaginative spaces in our writing life. Uh -huh. So I think it's really easy like to just get in a, like a really cynical space where you're like, I know that if I write this kind of story for this place, they'll at least be interested. Or I should do these things like you, you can get really analytical about writing and how to heavy quotation marks around it, be successful. And it was nice to just more than nice. It was like a, it was a big gift to have someone try to get you more in tune with who you actually are and how to express it. Because, I mean, that's the whole point of all these things, is your interpretation and the way you view these things adds this layer 
to make them interesting, to make them thoughtful. So I have a question for you. Yeah. And this is something I know nothing about. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you feel about like crystals? Have you used them before or? I have not used crystals. Like I find, I have friends who use crystals and like my favorite podcast is still processing. I spoke Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris. And I subscribe to Jenna's Tiny Letter. And okay. hers is all about like the different ways. She's so interesting because she's like a technology reporter at the New York Times. But she's also really into this woo stuff. Like her most recent Tiny Letter that I read was about finding like rose quartz in her apartment and using it to like sleep with. Oh. I I think what I just like about all of these things is that it's kind of a reminder of how little people actually want to the world to be like dull reality. I like the imagination of someone being able to say this quartz could heal me. And I think it's more of just like the act itself. Like I like when people have to find these ways that seem like they're going sideways to help themselves. But just like the very act of trying to help yourself is sometimes the thing that heals you. That's good. Yeah. I, I think that's the charm for me of all these things. Like, it just shows how much your brain needs to see that you care about your body. You care about your emotions. What do you think about crystals, Paul? I have no opinion on them. I think they look pretty. Me too. They're so pretty. Like, I I'm kind put of them like... in my mouth. <laughs> I don't know. There's like I'm this... not quite that far. Okay. You're not full child I, yet? I... No. You know, the the angles of them, sometimes I can like, I don't know, the the geometry nerd, like seventh grade Paul is like mm -hmm. pretty into cool looking rocks, or in this case, crystals. Um, I remember one time my, my family went on a uh, trip to Kentucky to the, to the caves there and like the mines or whatever, mm -hmm. and I, I left that experience with like this huge like plastic container full of different minerals and crystals all like organized by color and I was just like so impressed by it uh, I don't know where that is anymore I'm sure it's gone but I was I was into it just because of how they looked have you seen I could I sorry sorry yeah have you seen those toys? They're really cheap at Target. I really want one, but I, I don't know why I keep stopping myself from buying them. They're not expensive. But it's like this brick of dirt, and it's like a mini archaeology set. You can get one for like $5. And you just like brush right. away the dirt to find like crystals and gems. 
I haven't seen this. You would be so into it. It would be a really good, like... We should get these when you come back. We'll just... Okay. We'll just do one. With our salmon and curly fries. Yeah, this is an incredible party we're planning. And you're all I hope this happens. All nine of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that makes it funny is that all the people who listen to this for the most part are probably going to be there. And at least six. Yeah, six out of the nine. It's gifted to men who above all else desire power. So, Paul, we've already talked a lot about astrology on this podcast in the past. It's true. How do you feel about being a Gemini? Let's just get straight to it. Well, every time I try to tell you that I don't feel like a Gemini, you tell me that's something a Gemini would say. I love saying and that And so too. I have, and I feel like every time I have to um, assume my Gemini identity, mm-hmm. you like to either force it onto me mm-hmm. slash uh make me feel ashamed to be said gemini but that's probably more that's coming from you right right right. i was just about to say that (laughs) i wasn't going to throw that all on you but i would just say that uh because of that i i feel like i'm forced to assume this thing that i don't necessarily identify with Uh, maybe it means i have a stronger moon side sign uh, mm-hmm. At least in terms of my internal self, um, but I don't know. Or maybe you just don't care for astrology, and that's fine. I don't that's even true. really care that much about astrology. I just find it really funny to call you a Gemini and watch how like you react, because it really gets you, like gets your goat. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> Because I think sometimes, like, I play into it because I know that that's the expectation of what is supposed to be my reaction. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like I ask that a lot. Does that make sense? Does that, Does that make know? sense? Part of that is asking myself, does that make sense? Um, as I say that out loud. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I really like about astrology and writing is I sometimes when I teach, I have, like, I pull up, like, a very rudimentary list of all the signs. And because one of the things that they do is they try to make it seem like every single sign has, like, these very distinct personality traits in a lot of ways. Right. And then... I have the students pick two at random and I just try to make them create two characters that like embody some of the traits of the sign. Like it's a really easy way to get people to start thinking of the like creative ways to express character. So like I'm a Capricorn and like the big Capricorn thing is like you're obsessed with work. You're a workaholic. 
work, 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 work. <laughs> and it's really interesting to see like how you can interpret that beyond just, I'm a lawyer, I'm the dad from Liar Liar. <laughs> <laughs> Is Jim Carrey uh, a Capricorn? I have no idea, but at least in that movie, he is. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm not close enough with Jim Carrey to ask him his sign. I'm not trying to sleep with him. <laughs> oh my God, wouldn't that be nuts if I was sleeping with Jim Carrey? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Paul, I have a secret for you. I'm cheating on my husband. With Jim Carrey. <laughs> and then John heard you say it. Yeah. On the podcast. But he's producing the episode. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode, we have to talk about John finding out through me telling you like an idiot while we were recording. Oh my God. It's a good thing you're not, though. Aren't I? I don't know. No, I just don't know. What a tangled web we've Sorry, made, Paul. I segued us. Sorry, I'm just thinking about all the great pipe that Jim Carrey lays. <laughs> Did you just spit take? <laughs> Jesus. I don't want to ever think about Jim Carrey laying pipe. <laughs> Oh, man. One time I was altered in my perception of reality. I don't know how. And I was watching Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Mm -hmm. And there's, do you remember that scene where he's like inside the mailbox? No, I haven't. I'm getting it confused with the mask when I think about it. Not all of them are the same. He's weird. Anyway, there's a scene where he's like inside of a mailbox and it's like lit with like a match. And it scared me so much. I don't think I've ever been more scared by a movie than when I had partaken of something and then watched Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Like I did turn the movie off and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, I was like, there was like blood and guts. I just could not do it. There was something about that moment that triggered like a deep, I don't know, something in my subconscious like feared zone. Damn. Yeah. So that'd be even more messed up if I was sleeping with him. What'd my therapist say? We do a lot of therapy questions here in the podcast we're really in touch with our inner lives yeah i think that's important it is what if we what were we talking about before we got to i segued us with jim carrey i was you're talking about liar liar and the workaholic oh okay yeah the writing people like a writing exercise but they didn't get to write it because they instead had to hear me go on that insane tangent. (laughs) Anyway, you should, if you're going to do that, you could pause about here 
and rewind, hear it, and then completely forget everything I said about Jim Carrey. Or just pause it to have a what the fuck moment and then come back. Or don't come back because you've just had enough of these shenanigans. That's true too. You do you. We do your thing. We support it. We're your best friends. Of course we support it. I feel like I sound like a serial killer when I just said that. No, I didn't get that vibe. Thank God. Okay. I had a dream. Okay, one other thing. I had a dream the other day. I was just walking down the street. And like, there was a really fat robin. And I kicked it and it flew through the air like a soccer ball would. What does that mean? Angry birds. Oh yeah, maybe I've just been thinking about how much I want to play angry birds and that came on my subconscious. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Or murder. That's true. And I'm using that as a segue because dreams are a part of all of this. The other thing that we were really encouraged to do, I don't know if Kathy encouraged you to do this, Paul, but I was also in her poetry for, I call dummies, but they all nicely call babies, chorus. Although I'd rather be a dummy than a baby. Anyway. <laughs> no, but for, uh, I won't even get into that. This is all to say she really encourages you to every morning write down a little bit of your dreams and also try to work that into writing. And I find that really helpful too because well, I don't think my dreams really tell me much of anything that I'm actually thinking about unless it's like super explicit. Like I have a fight with someone and then I dream about fighting with them. That's how explicit it gets. But what I it's think real. it does do is it makes you feel less self-conscious about writing things down that aren't over-explained. And I think getting into a space where you can write down, I kicked a robin through the air and it turned into like a robin soccer ball with the way it flew. And without having to take the time to like over-explain it, but use like strong enough details so everybody understands what you mean. I think it really changes the way you can write. Dreams are powerful. Sort of. Alright, here's one for you. Paul, hot or not, corgis. Uh, hot. Um, one of my godsons is a corgi. And his name is Marley. <laughs> and He's adorable, and I love him very much. What so, actions do you have to take as a like a dog godfather? Um, none, <laughs> other than unconditional love. And I've bought him like a, a. So there's these stuffed animals. Um, but instead of the stuffing side, they have like these little round, tightly knit balls with squeak toys in them. Mm -hmm. And you can, there's like a little slot that you insert them in. And when the dog goes to rip apart the stuffed animal, instead these little 
they're not like small balls, but like I don't know how to describe them. They're like snowballs, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're inserted inside. So they pull those out and then they squeak and you can just insert it back in the stuffed animal without having like a huge mess. That's really thoughtful. That's a good godfather gift. I think I'm going to give that to John's uncle for Christmas. And by uncle, I mean dog uncle Buster Brown. I like that name. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Buster Brown now. I spent a lot of Christmas with him. He's a very particular dog. But (laughs) she won't hear this, but I don't think she'd care too much. But I feel like John's mom and aunt really resent being told that Buster Brown is their brother. But John's (laughs) grandpa said, like, last time when they first showed up, like, say hello to your brother. And he was not joking. (laughs) oh man it took a lot for me not to start laughing during that interaction okay hot or not Mm -hmm. using thought catalog for making important life decisions hot this is trump nation my dude (laughs) nothing matters True. On the weekend after all that, John and I drove up to Michigan for, I can't remember what we were driving up to Michigan for, or maybe it was right before, and there was like a charge in there. I don't know. Time is a vacuum, blah, blah, blah. But we drove to this like town to get gas. And we went to the gas station, and there was ice everywhere. Like, someone had just gone nuts on the, like, outside ice thing. It was all over the parking lot. And when we went into the gas station to buy water, I don't even know why. This, already that sounds like we walked into a crime scene. But no one was there. It was completely empty. And then when we went in the parking lot, there was just two dogs walking, like, through it toward like the Wendy's down the street so I'm saying yeah do whatever you want and frankly I can't wait till dogs take over this country and I can have a dog president because the dog might actually like me better so yeah thought catalog you should make all your choices by just saying I don't give a fuck I don't care oh no I'm also feeling like really tired Uh, I need to backtrack for one second. Yeah. Because I didn't get to ask you whether you thought corgis are hot or not. I think they're a little, like, overhyped. I'm a corgi fan. But also, Mm -hmm. man, the hype machine around corgis, God. That's true. I do see a lot of hype around corgis. We get it. They have stumpy legs. Were they in like any movies lately or anything? I think think maybe like The Secret Life of Pets. One of the pets is a corgi. And like the Queen of England has like a bunch of corgis. Right. There's a lot here in Ireland as well. Oh my god though. Does that mean you walk down the street and there's like Corgi there, corgis everywhere. Uh, pretty, pretty close. 
There's a lot of corgis, a lot of terriers, um, pretty much any kind of dog that's used for herding. I really like big dogs. Like I think, like I would rather have like a Great Pyrenees than a corgi. Mm -hmm. My dog brother, Bandit, yeah, I know we weren't clear with the name, but <laughs> my dog brother, is a sweet great Pyrenees and he is at the one hand kind of dumb as a bag of bricks. He's the dumbest dog ever affiliated with my family but he's also the sweetest dog. That's a good balance. Yeah. I have enough smart animals in my life. <laughs> I mean you have doctor and um, uh, why am I blaming? Hartley. Hartley. Yeah. Sometimes they're unsettlingly smart. I don't know. I don't even want to get into this right now. Okay. Uh, do you have any other hot or nuts? I don't think so. I'm a little okay. burnt out. I feel that. Ooh, okay. Hot or not, one more thing. Someone okay. posts something so like thoughtful on social media and you respond this or retweet this is that still hot <laughs> if it's just someone using it for for something stupid like um like uh like a post of no there's no good way to do this i was just gonna say like there's a lot of people who who have started posted these posting these long threads on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen them. Mm -hmm. um, and they're meant to be uh, this appeal to to a mass audience. And they end up being like 32 tweets long. And their argument falls flat after like six of them. Oh, yeah, because the they're essentially repeating themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if someone were to re retweet and quote that and say this, and I was like, it was this for like the first five train cars, but like the other 28 are like off the rails, just pure chaos. <laughs> <laughs> that was a beautiful way of describing it. So in that case, I am not about this. This. Uh, that's how I imagine someone saying it every time. Oh, this. man, bro, this. They're like, lift, so great. Yeah, they're like lifting away. They're like, this. Oh, <laughs> bro, did you just, did you just bench press 380 pounds? This. this. <laughs> no, bro, I just bench pressed this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then again, like 380 pounds would be pretty impressive. Oh my god. So maybe I would. I would love to bench press 380 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like it was nothing. That's like gotta be like a a full palette of penguin hardback vintage classics. Why haven't we started our gym that it doesn't have weights, but it has boxes of books? I don't know. 
I'm into it. I'm into it too. And I feel like it would make people actually go because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't like weights, but they do like books. I think they can practice moving <laughs> out of their houses all the time and carrying their books and be like, why do I even have these books? <clears throat> and we can have different stations around the gym where it can be like, uh, it will be weightlifting machines, but instead of just like the actual physical weight, it will be the emotional weight you're lifting as well. Yeah. So you'll be like, it'll be like a box of books is like, Angela's Ashes, Anna Karina, <laughs> and like <laughs> Jane Eyre. And they'll be like, way to go, Bruce. You're really lifting those six books and the emotional weight behind all those characters. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why Bruce would be in that station, but. Because he's he just needs to like feel some stuff, but he also needs to have like a cathartic <laughs> moment. And when he realizes he lifted and got through Anna Karina throwing herself in front of that train, he's going to burst into tears, my dude. He's going to feel it. And that's what you need at the gym. Yeah, your arms need to hurt and your soul needs to hurt after you leave the gym. You know what I just feel? You know how I feel about our gym right now? What do you feel? This. That was so stupid. I know, but it was incredible. <laughs> so this was your new best friends. <laughs> um, thanks to Fear No Lit for sponsoring us. You can find out more about them at www.fearnolit.com as well as this podcast. Our intro music, if we even played it, but not. Still shout out to our good friend Scott Fennin. And Jesse Ramsey for making us uh, some sweet tunes. And this was produced by John Cameron, who I'm cheating on with Jim Carrey. So we'll have to get a new producer for the next episode. And if you're interested, drop us a line. The spit takes were brought to you by Pa Ostasmo. And we hope you get some good writing out of this one. Hopefully by the time you hear my voice again, I won't sound so terrible. Paul, you got anything to add to that crap? Um, just keep doing the work. Work out. Uh, work out your soul, man. Do that emotional weight. Get that. Just put it all in your neck and your shoulders. Hold it there uh, for as long as you can. Like 30 plus years. Just... Just hold it. <laughs> Don't ever let go. Make it until you get crushed beneath it. Make it, press it like hard into your soul until it creates that diamond. And then you'll have that crystal to heal yourself later on. I'm crying. That was so beautiful. Yo, no.